Welcome to the Life of Christ series for term two. This is lesson 18. We are going to pick up where we left off. Uh, we're on page five, I believe. And uh, just as a place to begin, uh, let me go back to John 5 and verse 20. Where at the top of the page, where Jesus says, For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him, that's the Father showing the Son, greater works than these that you may marvel. In other words, it is because of the love that the Father has for the Son again, that the Father shows the Son all things that he does. And as a result, then the Son does all the things he sees the Father doing. We also looked at William MacDonald, where he pointed out, pointed out that it is a special mark of the Father's love for his Son that allows him all things, uh, excuse me, that shows him all things that he himself does. These things Jesus not only saw, he had the power to perform as well. The consequence of this is that the Son, as a result of his obedience to the Father, acts in such a way as to reveal the Father. In doing the Father's deeds and performing the Father's will, with Jesus himself again saying, He who has seen me has seen the Father. He said that to, to Philip. Now William MacDonald continues, The Savior went on to say that God, him, uh, God would show him greater works than these, so that the, these people might marvel. The first such marvel would be the powerful work of raising the dead. That's going to be in verse 21. The second was the work of judging all mankind. We're going to see all of these in the, in the verses coming. In short, Jesus uh, would do what no other religious leader in the history of mankind has ever done. And that is raise the dead. I'm talking religious leader, okay? And what's more, it is also he and not the father who is going to judge every religious leader mankind has ever known. That's something, isn't it? Okay? So we get a glimpse of this in what Arkent Hughes says, and that is, in essence, in verse 20, Jesus is saying, remember the great teaching of God in the Old Testament. These opening verses, uh, those opening verses in Ezekiel, I am the incarnation of that vision and much more. Hughes continues, the colossal claim Jesus sets before us is that he is equal with the Father. Even if we have already embraced this truth, we must repeatedly affirm it. We must daily appropriate the reality that Jesus is God. Amen. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That must be a constant reality in our lives. And we as believers must affirm who Jesus Christ is. He is supreme. Amen. Okay, like I said, very, very powerful things in this chapter. As we continue on to John chapter 5, verse 21, Jesus goes on to talk about one of the greater works, and that is raising the dead. By saying there, now in John 5, 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so, or so also, the Son gives life to whom He will. This is a powerful thing. In his commentary, William MacDonald writes, here is another clear statement as to the equality of the Son with the Father. The Jews accused Jesus of making himself equal with God. He did not deny the charge, but rather set forth these tremendous proofs of the fact that he and the Father are one. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives life to men, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. Consider this, uh, excuse me, could this ever be said of him if he were a mere man? 
to ask the question is to answer it. Amen? So again, we're beginning to see it. there's a lot of um, very interesting parallels and a lot of things that we're seeing here that I'm, I'm, I'm hoping will help us begin to understand what is being said by Jesus. Amen? So um, let's go on. In short, Jesus was no mere man. He was, in fact, God manifested in the flesh. Remember John 1.1 1, 1 and John 1.14. And that's the reason when John the Baptist himself had doubts about Jesus, it said in Luke chapter 7, verse 22, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard. Notice, he says what you have seen and heard. In other words, and he's going to, let me explain. He, says, he said, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. So, <coughs> he's saying to him, when he answers John the Baptist, because John was saying, is, should we look for another? <laughs> okay, alright? Alright. So, in other words, okay, what we don't realize in what we've just read, is that when they asked the question, Jesus would have gone on and healed people and done all of these things. They would have witnessed firsthand what he was doing and the power that was being released. And it would have been then, he would have turned around and said, go and tell him what you've seen. Tell him what you've heard. This is a firsthand account and firsthand proof that I am the one. Okay, that I am that I am, <laughs> you know, the, the, the name of God, okay, which is I am. All right, so we need, to, we need to get all of this. J. Ramsey Michaels writes, he is giving life, both physically and spiritually. Even now, he is also executing judgment. For as people accept or reject the message he proclaims, they are even now condemned or vindicated. Isn't that interesting? See, this is what we're going to find out later on as Jesus is going to minister that this very uh, sentiment, this, this very thought is going to be brought out. He said, if they reject you, then they are going to be rejected. Do you understand? And, and you need to understand the same is true for you. You know, a lot of times we feel like people are rejecting us and, you know, we, we feel personally attacked. But can I say this? If you are doing God's will, they didn't reject you. They have just rejected God. It is going to be that thing that when they say, well, God, you should have done this and you should have showed yourself and proved yourself and blah, blah, blah. They're going to say, I sent my son or my daughter to you. This is how you treated them. When you treated them that way, that was you saying no to me. See, there's not going to be one person that is going to have an excuse for not receiving Jesus Christ, for not knowing that God was alive. Even if it was something extraordinary that he had to do to get to them. You know, people have had visions. Things have gone on. See, God will reveal himself to people as they need to know. He's not going to just send them all to hell after Jesus went to the cross. Are you kidding me? As, you know, and let me just say this. Sometimes we make too much of, of, you know, if you don't go, well, then God's not going to be there. Can I re-say that in a different way today for you guys? If you don't go, you miss out on the blessing that was meant to be yours for ministering to those people that God is now going to turn up supernaturally and let them know He's there. You could have had the pleasure of doing that. But you didn't. So you don't get that anymore. <laughs> okay? And God's going to also then hold you responsible for what you didn't do as well. But anyway, not too but He's a forgiving God, thank God. Because I'm sure I missed Him on a few things. Alright, <laughs> all of us have. Amen? First John 1.9. 
if we confess our sins. Sorry, God, sorry, God, sorry, God. Okay, <laughs> my favorite words. All right, <laughs> let's get back to this. So <clears throat> that's the reason uh, why Jesus goes on to say in verse 22. So let me just reread what J. Ramsey Michael says again. So he is giving life, both physically and spiritually, even now. He is also executing judgment, for as people accept or reject the, the message he proclaims, they are now, or even now, condemned or vindicated. And that's the reason why Jesus goes to say in verse 22 now, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. This is not what they want to hear. Okay? In other words, as D.A. Carson puts it, the Father has determined that it will not be His direct task to judge anyone, but has instead entrusted all judgment to the Son. Wow. This was a new thought to the Jews, who fervently believed that the Father was the judge of all humanity. And so the last thing they ever expected was to have to stand before the Son on that last day and be judged by Him. And they're going to recognize Him too. That being the case, as William MacDonald then points out, I'm on page 7, in order for the Lord Jesus to do this work of judgment, He must, of course, have absolute knowledge, now I want to talk about this in a minute, and perfect righteousness. Now let me stop there for a minute. This is something we miss. Alright? The reason that God tells us not to judge, do you know why? Because we don't have absolute knowledge. We don't know everything about any situation. We think we do. We don't. <laughs> okay? We, we really don't have any idea. We can't see into the hearts of people. We, you know, we can only judge our, or base our judgment on things that we see. Alright? But God looks on the heart. God sees where it came from. That's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, when we get to it, you know, He's going to... He's going to tell His disciples, as important as giving is, where is it coming from? Where is your heart? What are you thinking when you're giving? He's going to be talking about those things. He's going to talk about prayer. As fantastic as it is to pray, where is your heart? Why are you praying? Do you understand? He, he, he goes right down to the motive of everything. He goes right down to the very heart and where it's all coming from. And he says, look at yourself. Before you start judging other people about what they're doing, you look at yourself. Even if you're doing the right thing, are you doing it with the wrong motive? Hmm? Are you doing something? Are you like the, 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 the Pharisee in the text here, remember? Are you, you know sometimes people do that. Can I just, you know, okay. <clears throat> How do you know that? Because I did that at one time. Shame, shame, shame. Alright? <laughs> there were times when I would see somebody doing something wrong, and then I would go do the right thing. Just to say, see, I know they're doing it wrong, but I am doing it right. Oh, you might be throwing up right now, but I'm sorry, that's, that's just the way life is. Okay? <laughs> I was young and immature. Alright? But you know, we do stuff like that. Because we want to impress someone. You know what, the better thing, that, that didn't, and we think we're making God happy, when you just didn't. You just showed up somebody else's mistakes more than they already were shown up. Hmm? What should have happened was you go help them out. And you see what you can do to make things better for them so that they're not being shown up so much. Are you all with me? See the difference? So instead of trying to see, that's the heart motive I'm talking about. Okay, all right. 
This is something that Jesus can do. The only way that he can judge everyone is to know exactly what they were thinking in the very depths, the recesses of their heart and their mind. And then be able to look and while somebody goes, Oh, that's brother so-and-so. Woo, they're going to get a big castle in, in heaven and they're going to, wow. And then Jesus goes, I'm so disappointed. Who are you again? They're going to go, Jesus, I, I got one of his pamphlets, man. I was at, don't you know him? There are going to be some that Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Wow. Because of all the accolades and he never knew them. Interesting, isn't it? But you always remember when you're reading that passage of scripture, always remember that they're, that's what they say. Remember we're talking about that in John? Okay, anybody that says they have fellowship with God and walks in darkness, okay, it means that your lifestyle is showing something other than what you're saying. People will lie. Is that a shock to you? No. <laughs> if they lie to you, they'll lie to God. Do you understand? That's why you really have to read those verses. Because I remember a minister coming up to me, a minister coming up to me and saying, Oh my gosh, you know, I hope on that last day, you know, we're, we're all going to make it, I'm going to make it. I said, why? <laughs> he goes, you know, because what if you get there? And Jesus goes, I never knew you. You know, and I'm, I, my first question is, are you a worker of iniquity? Because that's exactly what Jesus says. He says, I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. Not all the miracles you said, but iniquity was all evil doing, okay, wrongdoing. He's saying what you're saying and what you did are two different things. Don't think you can pull that one over me. That's why he says, I never knew you, which means you guys were never saved. Oh, you are lying to me right now. In the, right on the throne room, in that you know, judgment area, they're lying. Hello? So we need to see that. So please don't ever be concerned about your salvation. And don't let people use that and say, you know, you guys might be doing all these things, but when you get to heaven, you know, God might turn around and say, I never knew you. Hey, hey, unless you are workers of iniquity, if you are, quit it. Okay? Ask God to forgive you, and I know you're not. Okay? Workers means you're constantly doing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay? If you're not, don't be concerned. All right? Jesus will look at you. He'll smile. You won't even have to say anything. In fact, that's what, when you read through those things, I'm sorry, I'm going through some things because I'm talking about Jesus' foreknowledge and, and his ability to see into things. There are going to be people that are going, they, they, he's going to say thank you. And they're going to say, for what? See, whatever they did, they didn't, see, they didn't advertise what they were going to do. And he said, how have we helped you? And he says, when you came and visited me in hospital, when you came and visited me in prison, when you did all of these things, if you did it to the least one of these, you did it to me. And you didn't do it to be recognized. You didn't do it to be seen. You do it because it was in your nature to do. And for that, you're going to be rewarded. Hallelujah. Amen? And I believe that's where you guys fall in. You're in that category. Where you won't even realize some of the things that you have done. That God has smiled on. And, and thought to himself, well done. And to you, it was like, what, God? Anybody would do that. No, not anybody. You did. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay, so let's, let's get back to this. So once again, he must, of course, have absolute knowledge and perfect righteousness. Perfect righteousness tells us something now. 
you might know everything that went on. You might know everything about what the person was thinking, but still not know exactly what to do about it. <laughs> okay? Good and bad. Do you understand? Okay? So, you know, what, where, where do you draw the line? Because every judgment that you make is forever. Do you understand? This is not something that you can lodge a repeal on, you know? <laughs> okay? None of those things are going to happen. What, think about this now. If God said the very next thing that you're going to say, however you judge this situation, will be judged forever. And if you realize you've made a mistake, you can't come back and change it. Do you understand what I'm saying now? Okay? Wow. That's a righteous judgment. A righteous judgment would be to be able to see everything... And maybe even in spite of what everybody else sees, you know something else. And you make a judgment based on that. And they all go, why'd you do that? And later on they find out and they go, oh, he was right. Righteous judgment. Get it? Okay. All right. So, so he says he must, of course, have absolute knowledge and perfect righteousness. Okay, there's a righteous judgment. All right. He must be able to discern the thoughts and motives of men's hearts. How strange it was that the judge of all the earth should stand before these Jews. Alright, so notice again, he must be able to discern the thoughts and motives of men's hearts. He has to, otherwise he can't do this right. Alright, so again I've said here how strange it was that the, Jew, that the judge of all the earth should stand before these Jews asserting his authority and yet they did not recognize him. So he is trying to tell them, I'm here. And they're going, oh, we don't want to accept this. Isn't it incredible? All right, to continue, let's go on. Verse 23. Before we go into verse 23, we have to go back to verse 22 because it joined. So again, back in verse 22, it says, Jesus is saying here, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all the judgment, or all judgment, to the Son. That all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Now this verse gives us the reason why the Father delegated all judgment to the Son. It is so that everyone will honor the Son in the same way that they honor the Father. Okay, this is, this is a real key. Because of what he's going to say next. Alright, so he says, listen, the reason that God is giving me this is so that you honor me the way you honor Him. Now he goes on to say in the latter half of that verse, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Yeah, understand this. He's saying, I didn't come on my own authority. I was sent. You see, if I send you, and somebody disrespects you, they are disrespecting the person that sent you. They are disres- disrespecting me. Get it? Because I've sent you with a message. What they need to do is, if they honor me, then they need to go, oh, this is a hard message, but okay, if it's coming from, you know, from, from him, then okay, I'll say yes to it. That, that should have been the response. Okay, because some of the stuff Jesus said was hard. <laughs> okay. So what Jesus, so this is what is Jesus is bringing out. He said, you, you need to understand something. If you don't respect me, who, he who does not honor the Son, does not honor the Father. He's saying, you, un, you need to now get this, guys, that in dishonoring me, you are now dishonoring the God whom you say you serve. Hmm? And whose righteous judgment that you think you're carrying out. 
He's saying you need to get this. So this statement I've said is of crucial importance. William MacDonald says that this, this statement is one of the clearest proofs in the Bible of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many people claim to worship God, but deny that Jesus Christ is God. And according to this verse, it is useless to claim a love for God if one does not have the same love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that interesting? Huh? Amen? It's pretty powerful. And so by saying this, Jesus literally turned the tables on the Jewish leaders' accusations against him of blasphemy. Listen, by saying that the only way to honor the Father was to honor the Son who was sent by him. And as John MacArthur points out, therefore, the Jews were the ones who were actually blaspheming the Father by rejection of his Son. Did you get that? Okay, Because remember, their, their charge was against Jesus was blasphemy. That was the charge against him. Jesus had just turned the table and said, you think I'm blaspheming? You are. <laughs> okay? But what you are doing, you are actually blaspheming God. So, you know what? Think about that. What judgment do you think, you know, should be passed on you for that? <laughs> anyway, see, that's why it says, if you judge yourself, you won't be judged. Remember? At the communion table. In fact, Leon Morris says, that the inherent dignity of the Son and His intimate relationship to the Father makes the dishonoring of Him, the Son, a very serious matter indeed. Amen? Dear Carson concludes, These Jews were right in detecting that Jesus was making Himself equal with God. But this does not diminish God. Indeed, the glorification of the Son is precisely what glorifies the Father. Just as in Philippians 2, 9-11, where at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And all this to the glory of God the Father. Do you get that? Okay. And so now that the Son has come, the person who withholds the honor due to the Son, similarly dishonors the Father. Wow. Amen? Amen. All right. We'll, we'll go on here and con conclude here. As we continue on to verse 24, Jesus now combines what he said in verse 21 and 22 regarding life and judgment and now shows us how the two are connected by going on to say now in verse 24, Most assuredly I say to you, all right, again another statement of great importance because he says, Most assuredly I say to you. He said, I'm, This is as sure as it gets. Okay? He says, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me. Isn't it interesting? He who hears my word. Doesn't say believes me. He says, and believes in him who sent me. Alright? Has everlasting life. And shall not come into judgment, but has passed. This is a powerful thing he's saying right now. But has passed from death into life. Listen, you know what Jesus has just done there? He has basically said, I can tell you right now what's going to happen at the judgment seat. Did you get this? He's telling you right now. He's saying, I'll tell you right now. If you do this, you have just passed from death, being condemned to hell, 
into life. Welcome, thou good and faithful servant. Okay? Enter the joy of the Lord. Do you know what I'm trying to say? He, this, this is an incredible verse. He is saying, I can tell. See, because you know what the whole thing is? Only God knows who's going to make it and who's not at the end. Nobody else knows, you know? Okay? He's saying, I know. I can tell you right now, with absolute certainty, most assuredly. Get it? He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word, believes in him who sent me, has everlasting, everlasting life. Notice that? And shall not come into judgment. Notice, shall not come into judgment. We'll talk about all this. But, notice the past tense. He didn't say will. He says, but has passed from death into life. Amen? I told you, these are some of the most powerful statements you are going to read in the Gospels. William MacDonald says that this is one of the favorite Gospel verses in the Bible. Doubtless, the reason for its being so greatly loved is the manner in which it sets forth the way of salvation so clearly. First, to hear the word of Jesus means not only to listen to it, but also to receive it, and to believe it, and to obey it. Okay, did you get all of that? Listen, receive, believe, obey. Okay. Second, one must believe not just in God, but that God sent the Lord Jesus to be our Savior. Amen? To get that. So, notice the two things here. We receive His Word, but also understand that Jesus came in person. He was our Savior. See, He was going to die. He wasn't just going to teach us how to be better. He was going to pay a price so that we could receive a new birth. That's why when Peter was trying to hold on to Him, he said, no. Right after he said, you are the Son of God. Remember that? And he says, no, you're not going. <laughs> Jesus had to rebuke him and get thee behind me, Satan. And all that stuff happened. Alright, so, okay. Because they didn't want him to go, but he's saying, I, this is not going to happen unless I go. I have to go do this. Amen. Dear Carson, goes on to point out that Jesus as the Son healed the invalid by the pool of Bethesda by His Word. So also, it is, at, it is His Word that brings eternal life and cleansing. That's in John uh, 15, 3. Or judgment. Also, hearing Jesus' word is identical to hearing God's word. Since the Son speaks only what the Father gives Him to say. As the words and deeds of the Son are the words and deeds of the Father, so faith placed in the Son is faith placed in the Father who sent Him. Alright? So the one who hears and believes in this way has eternal life and will not be condemned. Are you getting this? The, the believer does not come to the final judgment, but leaves the court already acquitted. Awesome. In other words, notice that Jesus doesn't say that he will have eternal life, but that he has, past tense, already passed from death into life. Amen? He didn't say, I told you that before, he didn't say you will have it, he said you already have it now. Amen. William MacDonald goes and explains that everlasting life is the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not only life that will go on forever, but it is a higher quality of life. It is the life of the Savior imparted to us 
who believe in Him. It is the spiritual life received when a man is born again, in contrast to the natural life which he received at his physical birth. That's why Jesus says that this person shall not come into judgment, simply because he himself would pay the penalty for everyone at Calvary. And God will not demand the payment of the penalty twice. Amen? That's why it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in me. Get it? See, this is why as we receive Him, that cross experience, we are crucified with Him, the price is paid. That ends. Amen? Hallelujah. Therefore, to have eternal life now is to be secure throughout eternity, just as those who accept the way of darkness and evil have already been judged. Okay, can we leave it there? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed.